Hey friends, we're back with another episode of the Nod Wines podcast. We are on episode 10. Oh my goodness. Season one is in full effect and I'll be taking a little bit break when I have this baby. Um, So bear with me while pregnancy brain is off the chain and I am going to forget half the things I'm saying today. My guest today is Coral Wang. Coral Wang is a local winemaker here. And when I say local, I mean Northern California, because, you know, we're good for all the wine here. Um, We're here in the Sacramento studio, and Coral is with us. Coral, have I not seen you since June? Yes, I guess. 2022. Almost a year? Almost a year. Almost a year. Yeah. Yeah, Almost a year. Yeah, we met at Wine Fair, which is a woman ex wine fair that is put on by the Vingard um, in San Francisco. So they had taken a couple years break for in-person. And so it was live and full effect. How many winemakers were like over 30? I think yeah, it was. Over 30. And I mean, just some of the rock stars that I have looked up to and followed and admired. And then to be pouring alongside them, I was just... I was utterly in, it was a privilege and honor. It was so exciting. It was my first wine fair that I poured out for myself. I didn't realize that. That's so dope. And that's when I met you. Yes. And I'm usually (laughs) helping winemakers pour, but I think that time I just decided I'm not answering any text messages and I'm going to go. It's just a guest. And so I was like roaming around, tasting all the wines (laughs) and You were next to Lula Wines, I think. And that's how I I saw your bottles. And we have your bottles here in studio, which I'll be posting. And they're so beautiful and unique. And I was like, who is this? I need to talk to her. Oh, (laughs) I remember exactly um, how we met. You were roaming around pleasurely, and, <laughs> um, and we just both were kind of like, oh my gosh, or was this just from my perspective? But <laughs> I, I knew I had to to stop you, to meet you, to hug you, to find out about you. Yeah. And we took a bunch of pictures together. We and did. I can't remember. And they're so um, cute. So I'm, bo- I'm going to be yeah. posting them for sure. <laughs> yeah. You were just one of those magnetic personalities that I had also been following your content and, you know, for years and then seeing so many people, the winemakers, peers in my community in this industry to finally get to meet people. That's what I love about the fair. So I was like, oh, here's one of the, you know, Insta (laughs) celebrities that I know (laughs) to meet her. So funny. No, I, it was, it was an amazing event because I, since I had started my Instagram page and really got into natural wine, there hadn't been an in-person wine fair. I think the last in-person wine fair was maybe 2020. Um, but even if it was 2020, I think it was a very early March and then things shut down. And so there were some super spreaders at that time and then it shut down. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And then all of the wine, um, wine fairs, wine festivals, tastings were no more. Everything was virtual. And so I think a lot of the community that I built up in the natural wine community ended up being virtual. So that for me was the first time I saw a lot of people in person too. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. And so Vingard, um, if anyone's not familiar with the Vingard, they are a great organization based out of San Francisco, doing a lot of work for social equity within the natural wine um, industry and hemisphere. So they have a social equity pledge. They're trying to get some folks on board signing it. Um, in terms of folks, I mean, different wine brands, whether that be a wine shop, whether that be a winemaker, um, really spreading awareness for kind of the social injustices that go on within the wine industry that we just think oh it's, it's wine it's enjoyable it's doing its thing but it's just more so like you know not every wine brand has an hr department they can just call or <laughs> you know in, in these kind of industries it's a little bit different so i think when i was on their board um i lent some of more of my corporate brain to the vanguard um but oh you were on the board that, yeah i was on the board in 2020 through 2021 yes yeah, served oh. for a year on the board which was an amazing experience and then i kind of left, had my chair to somebody else just because I couldn't dedicate the time that I wanted to. But that's how I got hooked up with the Vingard. I see. Um, okay. And then I actually got to go to wine fair in person. Yeah. So shout out to Pamela Bush. Pamela founder. Bush. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll have to get her on the podcast. Pamela, uh, they are a big supporter and promoter, cheerleader for um, so many of us uh, yeah. women, but also um, as a whole, the, you know, minority groups, LGBTQ, mm-hmm. BIPOC. Um, it is featuring women natural winemakers. However, what I also love is she does, um, they do uh, like a board or a um, you know, where there's talks throughout the day. So I loved taking a break. I was, I was always abandoning my ship and running <laughs> to these talks, but, um, there was, uh, Darwin Acosta yes. and, um, who runs co-fermented, uh, they, they founded co-fermented an organization based out of Napa, um, but bringing LGBTQ community together. And then Chris Renfro, um, who, yes. uh, founded the 280 project and um, farms out of Alamany Farms, right in the middle of San Francisco. Um, So it's not just about, you know, um, excluding anyone that's not uh, female or, you know, it's it's everyone. And I think that especially Darwin and Chris, too, are such great voices um, of our time and our community right now. So I really love them. Um, like I said, going to these events for me, meeting the other winemakers and peers that are, and like you that are just pushing the voice and, you know, moving the needle and and getting everyone motivated and making us feel like we have, you know, support. We We have have a community. We belong. Yeah. Yeah, We can gather and we can share our thoughts and we can, you know, brew our ideas together. And that's what I love, you know, not, not feeling so alone um, and that we can do these things together. Yeah, I love that. And to be completely honest, um, back to kind of our, my first sighting of you and how we met, it was like, wow. Like, I mean, there's not a lot of people that look like us in mm-hmm. the natural wine mm-hmm. industry, even though it is a little bit more diverse than the wine industry as a whole. It was like, okay, who is Coral? And I need to talk to her. I mean, your <laughs> bottles were very attractive, but I mean, it was you. And I was just like, okay, you know, I see an Asian American woman here and I needed to know That was more. the first time you had 
met me, seen me. I mean, wait, were I, you following? Were you, well, maybe you were following me. I was following you, but you know how Instagram is. Yeah. You, you see what Oh, so it re- was really the in-person, like, wow, I've got to meet this It chick. was making the connection. Aww, yes. Thank yes, you. Definitely making the connection. <laughs> and so then I, we stopped and we talked for a while. I mean, it's those events can be so overwhelming. I, like, forced you to take selfies with me. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> we have some great pictures and they're so cute too. They are. Um, and those events are hard to sit and actually talk to somebody because there's so it much is. going on. Yeah. But we had a chance to talk about your wine brand, your journey in wine. So why don't you share with folks wow. today about kind of how you founded your brand, your travels in France and your work in France. And Wow. Yeah. You know, it's, it's pretty wild. Um, I do have a wine trajectory, but if you asked me, you know, in 2020, if, I, you know, that now, you know, here we are today that I'd have a, my own wine brand, you know, a winery, I work out of a ranch that I'm building a life and a home with a puppy in Sonoma and a vineyard right there. I would laugh straight in your face. There's no way I, I never, you know, I know a lot of people, um, plan on and, and, and imagine having their own wine brand, but it wasn't something that, I was kind of scheming or working towards, although I, I worked in wine for quite a while, but I just, you know, I was focused on building my life in France and then, um, uprooted in the summer of 2020, you know, and it was pretty bittersweet packing that all up. And I kept waiting to go back to France and the borders were still shut. So then I, you know, did my research, did my due diligence. And then, you know, here we are at the epicenter of the, you know, new wine world in, you know, in California and up in Sonoma and the Bay area. Um, so I ended up here and, um, I thought that what I would find, I literally envisioned landing and, you know, finding the same kind of life and culture uh, in wine that I found in France. And I couldn't, it couldn't be further from the truth. So, um, I, I realized that quickly, you know, with the people that I saw around me, the way that people were making wine, the way people talked about wine or, or grew wine, um, it just, I, I felt like a fish out of water again, like kind of culture shock. So um, it was really, I was just compelled. Well, I thought that then I have to create my own business. I have to, if I want to make wine the way that I want to make wine, you know, with the community around me, with colorful people, with people like me and where we share and, and we, we work together, we farm together and we, you know, cultivate our ideas together together. Um, that's really what wine was about for me is being a part of a pack and, mm-hmm. um, yeah. And, and sharing the joy and all of that and learning together. So not that it didn't, it doesn't exist in the Napa and Sonoma world, but, um, it is, you know, the, the reality is it, it is kind of like, um, separated by pockets of people and, um, you know, I, I definitely felt like an outsider. So I thought, well, I, I, I want to bring back this life that I fell so in love with this culture. Um, and I don't mean to be like praising a Eurocentric life, but I just mean, um, going back to an authentic and genuine way of living. So I, uh, that's, that's all I wanted, um, yeah. that community. So, that's that's where it came from. It was born out of being feeling compelled and born out of necessity. So um, it was the harvest 2021. Things had already kicked off. 
I had just arrived and it's literally, it was the 11th hour and I was like, well, I got to find fruit. Um, so I thought that I would find fruit through, you know, this, this gang of guys that I had just met, like all these awesome winemakers. Um, they're so kind and, and generous, but it, you know, um, it's harvest and things are moving around. There's all these different moving parts. And I was like, well, <laughs> as fortuitous as, as, you know, online discoveries go, I was just kept searching and searching online ads and I found my fruit one, I don't know, two in the morning. And, <laughs> but it turned out to be from, uh, after a phone call, I go there. It's this man, um, named Wei. He's an immigrant from Shanghai. Mm-hmm. And I was like, after the phone call, I was like, yeah, this guy sounds awesome. Like he sounds so ingenious and creative and this energy and I go there and he had taken over, um, it feels like a, a, a secret valley in Cloverdale. So near Guerneville mm-hmm. up north. Um, and it's 10 acres of Bordeaux and Rhone varietals. And this man was just like, you know, he'd worked his butt off um, in, in computers here in okay. the South Bay. Um, and he was like, I, I work so much. I just want time to be with my family and my son. So clearly he did well because he was able to, you know, get himself this nice chunk of property. Yeah. Um, and I just felt so energized from him. I felt like a kinship, although, you know, he's, he's he looks like he could be my uncle. He's much older, but um, he said the same. He was like, all these people come here. He had some hawks circling around him trying yeah. to kind of take advantage of his situation. Um, and he said to us, he's like, but you're the first females you're the first female winemakers here. Every, every woman that came here was, um, you know, the wife of somebody or, so he was really also pretty motivated or, you know, he was energized by you as well. (laughs) Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I found this beautiful dry farmed fruit, 20 years old. Um, and we made a deal and I was able to, to harvest a ton of fruit from him. That's where it all started. Um, I kind of forgot the exact question you started asking me. Oh, no, but, it's all good. Um, We're yeah, just kind of talking about the beginning. 2021. Yeah. Um, yeah, so that that's my first cuvee, number one. Um, yeah. And it is Grenache, 50% Grenache, 24% Syrah, 24% Morvedra, and 2% Zin. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Beautiful, man. I wish I, I remember tasting this wine and just the, the beautiful blend of the fruit, um, just sat so well on the palate. I mean, in terms of the body that it brings, but not too much. Um, but then that really velvety tannins, I think everything Mm. just balanced out really beautifully in the bottle. Thank you. Yeah. So is all the fruit from, it's from that, that one vineyard then. Mm -hmm. Okay. I, I mean, I've only made two vintages now. Yeah. Um, but I, I feel it, I'm basically just going off of what um, I've seen and experienced myself. So, mm-hmm. the the only farming and winemaking knowledge that I have is from working in southern France mm-hmm. at Domaine Memoruta for almost two and a half years. So. Um, everything that I do is kind of just mirroring what I was doing there. Um, but mind you, I was learning it with kind of like a, a, a little bit of a, a film over everything because I was learning it in French. 
Um, oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. And so I, I physically, the, the muscle memory and what we talk about, but I, I think there, you know, there was some loss in translation or, or I would just get like kind of, you know, the, the outskirts of all the lines. Um, but yeah, so I'm, I'm just going by what I learned out there. Um, which is why at, uh, Way's Vineyard, I chose, um, there were Bordeaux and there were Rhone varietals. So I chose the fruit that I was used to working with in the Roussillon. Yeah. Yeah. So when you were talking about coming from France and then coming here, what was the exact, what were like maybe the top two differences in the wine culture and the wine industry in France that you experienced versus coming to Sonoma, Napa area? Oh, um, okay. The biggest difference I see, um, that gave me so much shock and made me feel like I I was starting all over again. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, which I constantly am uh, learning, but that here it's that the norm is more, um, everything is compartmentalized. So either you just work in the vineyards, um, and then within the vineyards, you do your specialty, like whether it's irrigation or vineyard management or, um, you know, and then, then there's other people that only work in the cellar. Mm-hmm. Um, that was the biggest difference, um, in France. Um, you know, it's, I mean, it varies there too, of course, but I think traditionally and historically it is the true, uh, end to end model. So where you're, you know, because a lot of people do have, it's easier to have land there, um, because it was, easy to buy or it was, you know, in your family, you know, your, your grandfather had land, maybe they weren't farming, maybe they were just leasing it out. Um, but it's easier to acquire parcels of land. So you're farming your own, um, parcels of vineyards and fruit, and then you're, you're, you're working that you're harvesting it and you're bringing it to your own mm-hmm. small, um, cellar, your own small cab, your own winery. Um, but here it's, you know, we don't have that. It's, it's completely different, you know, land, um, water, space, property, it all comes at a premium. So, you know, a big thing that some people don't realize, I think it's a misconception that a lot of people think all of us, you know, that every winemaker has their own winery or has their own tasting room. Um, but no, we, it's, it's uh it's difficult to do that. I don't own my vineyard. Right. I you source I your lease grapes. it. Yeah. Um yeah, and most so yeah, most people here are doing the negotiant model where they're sourcing fruit, working with a grower, building relationships. Um and then um I, I mean, all of the <laughs> the equipment, the machinery. I mean, the the concept and the way we make wine generally is the same. But um, there are uh, you know clamps and the way we use our tools and pumps here that I've never I never saw before in France. Um, so that was brand new here, also. Um, and this there's there's the the level of sanitation, which you know, um, permeates no matter where you're making wine. If you want to make good wine, you know, it's just like with cooking and and food and, you know, fermenting, you know, kimchi or, you know, you have to work, uh, very clean, um, very sanitary, but, um, there's also this, you know, we use different chemicals here to clean and sanitize our tanks. There's a three-step with, you know, uh, there's, tartaric acid, there's PAA, there's citric acid. And where I was making wine in my small villages in France, we just clean with water. Um, 
So I'm, that was another thing I wasn't used to, but I get it. Um, I totally get it. <laughs> yeah. 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 So just different ways. Def- definitely different ways, different techniques. And I mean, you know, Americans, we Americanize everything. <laughs> <laughs> And things are put into certain industries. So that's just so interesting that, I mean, interesting, but also really cool that you came here and then started your own wine brand, right? You could take what you want from your experience and adopt it into your own brand. So even though you say like, oh, it's how I made wine working, you know, in the villages, you're you're, even though you say maybe some things are lost in translation or whatever, I, I think that lends to your own style. You still get to create your own style, yeah. even though you're 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 using your experience. Yeah. I'm the storyteller now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I mean, what story do you want your wines to tell? Oh my gosh. Well, really, I just so I named my my brand um Maison de Plaisance, which <laughs> that is how you pronounce it. I thought it looked phonetic but maybe it doesn't i think maybe there's too many words and not you also that. lived in france okay. so <laughs> i do realize in hindsight um maybe marketability like it's really hard for people to remember that instagram but it's a lot easier for them to remember coral wine coral wines as yeah. an instagram so i don't know I've, I've kept both for now we'll see how to figure that out but um yeah so that it means house of pleasures and um cool yeah, contrary to what I guess it sounds like, it <laughs> means more about um, like I like I keep saying that I I learned this um, and I developed after a little bit of time um, learning how to live this beautiful life that um, embraced simple pleasures of your daily life. And, um, you know, that is a big thing that I always remembered coming back from, you know, back and forth from America to France that every time I came back, I was like, Oh my God, like Americans, like we don't, um, we need to, you know, people forget and we move too fast. We, we all know this, Mm -hmm. but just small, simple daily pleasures of just like sitting down and, you know, whether it's with your partner or your children or, or, your, puppy. or, or your dog yeah. in the sun <laughs> with, you know, the, that really beautiful porcelain cup to have your coffee um, or, you know, or just taking those extra moments before the sun goes down to walk and talk to your neighbors. You know, I just I lived like those simple gestures, you know, I knew every one of my neighbors. I had so much fun just like sharing food with them or here's a a funny example that I always bring up. But, um, in America, when you go to meet your friend, uh, you're going out, um, go to pick them up, you, you pull into their driveway and, you don't get out of the car. You just text them here. Right. Period. <laughs> and then you're in your house and you write K period. Um, and I always remember that when I came back because in, um, in France, it was, you, that was never a thing. Like you just, uh, you get there, you get out of your car, you like civilized people. You just go up to the door, you knock on the door, <laughs> you go inside and, um, it doesn't matter what time it is, but they'll make you a cup of coffee. It's more like espresso over there. Yeah. And you sip the espresso together for just a few minutes and then you leave the door together. Um, you know, like civilized people. I love that. So yeah. just things like that. Um, but yeah, I and so I guess different. I want to make sure I remind myself to live that way too. 
Yeah, because now that you're back, I'm sure it's now easy to back, adopt oh my God. the busyness of all, everything going I order around. shit online all the time, <laughs> and I'm like, oh, no, I never do that. What am I doing? <laughs> I did see when you called me New York. Is that what you're Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay, so that's completely opposite than what you're describing mm-hmm. in France. Yes. <laughs> yes, um, which also seems like a world away because I haven't lived in New York in, like, maybe eight years. Yeah. But that's where I'm originally from. What um, part? Uh, the city. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, okay. my grandma was in Chinatown. Yeah. Right on the Bowery. I moved in with her when I was 17. Yeah. Um, but I did go to high school in New Jersey. So okay. I have a little bit of both. But, yeah, in, when I was 17, I moved to Chinatown and then went to college. So I just, I romped around New York City. Um, that was my playground How all fun. through my, you know, 20s and a little bit after that. So the transformative years, um, because I worked in in New York fashion, I was, I was in the fashion and art world. Okay. That was my first previous life. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So very, very vastly different. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I, I meet so many people in natural wine that like, (laughs) this is our second endeavor. This Mm -hmm. is like our second life. Um, because I was going to ask if you were into wine when you were in New York. Well, um, I was very much in my world, you know, like, like New Yorkers do like career kind of comes first, which is like, I, I hope people have learned to like slowly move away from that thinking of sequence of priorities. But, um, that's all it was for me. Well, it was fashion and going out. Um, but yeah. that also meant, you know, really getting to take advantage of, you know, some of the best restaurants and food and wine in the world. So I did get a taste. I mean, I always, I was always, um, I, I'm just as obsessed with food as I am with wine. Yeah. I really yeah. am. Mm-hmm. I will talk to you about food forever and just, you know, get off on it. Um, but yeah, so I got a taste of all of, you know, these chefs that I loved and the restaurants that I loved. And, um, but I wasn't, I, I had a taste for wine because originally my father collected, um, he collected California cabs. <laughs> so I did uh, have the opportunity from a younger age to, um, understand that and get to taste some really great wines, but it was, you know, he's one of the, he was one of those guys that only collected California cabs. So <laughs> after a while I was like, all right, like this is hard to drink. Um, yeah. I just want to eat dinner and then maybe I'll try this after dinner. Right. You know? Right. Because those cabs can really take over yeah. the meal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Although I did have like my light bulb moments that way, um, through tasting with him, it was yeah. still, I think that is what, you know, cracked the seed open from the start. But, uh, I grew up in a food family. Also, my family is from Taiwan mm-hmm. and from Northern China and everyone in my family, um, aunts, uncles, my mom, they are, I grew up eating like full on, you know, my mom would always have a pot of white rice and at least cook like three or four, um, home-cooked like Chinese dishes every night and my aunts and uncles are the same like it's incredible what from different parts regions of China and Taiwan will cook for us so we are um you know my palate has just always been stimulated from the very beginning of like I love food yeah (laughs) um yeah so were there a lot did you see food and wine pairings growing up because oh, your dad collected um, wine? Just, or I mean, I that... would say the food and wine thing because of my dad, that connection happened probably, I guess, around, like, high school, college. Okay. Um, and then, you know, um, 
having my my full-on career in New York and going out a lot, um, experiencing restaurants on my own with friends and, you know, really, like, falling in love with with chefs and, and restaurants out there. Um, but, yeah, it wasn't until... So I had the fashion career for about eight, almost eight years. Okay. And it wasn't until, you know... Life happened. I made my way to L.A. still for fashion. And then I finally left fashion. I had kind of trying, been trying to make, you know, step out of it. Um, but they kind of keep pulling you back when, like, you do something. And which is incredible that you get these fantastic calls. And every call after the next was better and better. And I was like, all right. Um, but anyhow, in 2014, I started working for Delfina Restaurant Group in the Bay Area. Okay. Um, and that's when I really just dove headfirst into wine. Um, I I will say it probably till the grave that they Delfina has really what they do best is with I mean, with not just hospitality and food, of course, but their systems, they have got that down. They've got that on lock, and that's why they're so successful. They have um, every scenario and situation. They are just so good at what they do when it comes to having um, solutions already thought out. And a restaurant is, it's a science. It's like not just like, I know a lot of people think like, oh, let me open up a restaurant or a bar, but it really involves, it's so complex. Um, and there's, there's a science behind it. So they have got that formula down, um, to the T. And so I, my foundation for wine, um, education and what really, you know, took, took things off for me where my trajectory began was with Delphina restaurant group in 2014. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. What did you do for them? Um, so yeah, like I said, life had kind of happened. Things shifted. I was, I was working there and within a month, um, Mm -hmm. you know, they, they out of necessity asked if I wanted to be a manager and I was like, uh, (laughs) (laughs) I was, uh, pretty apprehensive, but I was like, all right, let's, let's try this out. Um, that's not what I had, uh, kind of, that's not what I had, uh, planned for myself, but I was like, all right, let's, let's try this. And then, um, they needed a wine point or, you know, like okay. every manager has a department. So my department, um, also out of necessity, one, one person moved to Lokanda in the city. So I became their wine manager Okay, and I literally had to learn on the fly, you know, just taking what I, you know, I mean, they clearly saw that I had like a great interest in food and wine already. So, um, but I had to train the staff. So, um, the best way to learn is also by teaching and vice versa, just kind of like a cyclical. So because I had to teach them every day and come with something, you know, dynamic and engaging, um, I was studying constantly. So whether it was like, you know, maps and, and drawing them and I wanted to be as interactive as possible. I wanted, I always wanted wine to be something, you know, fun and approachable and friendly, you know, not standoffish. So I would make it as interactive as I could like smelling, you know, spices and fruits together and tasting, you know, different combinations and just talking about wine. But, um, yeah, learning about, um, 
I, we started with, well, it was an Italian restaurant. So Italy, I think, is a great place for anyone to start um, because of the, the regions are, you know, it's not as... Uh, you know, diverse as uh, France can get. So, yeah. yeah, so I was studying and then I would go to up to line up at, you know, three o'clock and, and teach them at the same time and just have these very open conversations. And you guys were learning together. It was fun. Yeah, yeah it was so much fun. And um, you have to like, um, you know, you have to arm your, your people, your staff, you have to make them feel supported and confident and once they do, then they can talk table side and get other people, their guests excited about food and wine. Um, and then it's a win-win, you know? Yeah. If they love, if they're co- comfortable tasting wine every single day, um, then it's no longer like this foreign, you know, uh, mystical yeah. abstract thing to yeah. them. Yeah. It takes the mystery out of it and they're able to not only, I mean, know their stuff table side, but also teach more people about wine, right? I mean, I know it's sharing, selling, all of that, but kind of frame of reference, right? Because you never know what your guest is going to be, what their frame of reference (laughs) with wine is going to be. Exactly. I always say, um, I guess it's very, yeah, I got my start in restaurants. Like there are a lot of winemakers actually, but um, being able to um, have build a rapport and connect with people is um, really a key foundation in, uh, you know, working in wine or working in um, restaurants and wine. But I felt like I had the most success like when, when you can go up to a table and, you know, you want to talk to them about wine. One table, you know, it's like a, a doctor and a bunch of his his buddies. And then the other table is, you know, a plumber and his wife. Like you have to be able to make a connection with anyone. Um, and, and you can with food and then like you, you just segue into wine and, and then, you know, people are already excited about tasting it. So yeah, like, yeah, let's just, let's take the mystery out of it and just enjoy it. Yeah. 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 Something fun to do together. Um, so, I mean, speaking of togetherness and wine, um, what, I guess I'm going to get into some of the questions that we chatted about before. Okay. So (laughs) food and wine, you know, automatically are loves for us and those in the wine industry. So if you had to have five dinner guests over dead or alive, who would you have over? Oh, <laughs> this is such a good question, and I love um, they're like the human interest questions that you can ask people and yeah. just find out so much about them. My um, my list of this always changes; it constantly evolves. Yeah, and then once I start thinking, then I'm like, oh wait, like I'm gonna need to have a dinner party every week to get all the people <laughs> that I want. So right now, um, I will say. I don't know if I should say this name, but it's okay. Um, (laughs) (laughs) um, Eric Asimov, the New York Times wine writer, um, and his wife. um, I now know. I I waited on them recently, and I was like, holy moly. Like, these are my new dream dinner guests. They were so sweet and gracious and... um, God, they were just in food and wine heaven. They were in Sonoma. You met them in Sonoma? Yeah, she... you know, I was, I was really privileged, just happy that I got to, um, you know, pour for them. But, uh, I, I brought out this wine that I was suggesting. It was a sparkling Cab Franc from the Loire and she had already had like one sparkling and 
this is all by the glass. So I had to like find something else. And then she was like this, her eyes rolled in the back of her head and she's like, this tastes like new found love. Oh and, my gosh. Yeah. And I'm like, yes, <laughs> they were just so great. And they're like the coolest, they're the kind of cool New Yorkers you want to run into. Um, I don't know, at a museum or at a coffee shop. Yeah. So, okay, Eric Asimov and his wife, um, Anthony Bourdain, duh. Yes. Um, oh, well, Ali Wong for, like, the fun factor. Yeah. Do you know who she is? Yes. yes. And then, um, oh, let's see, this has ran out already. A lot more people. Um, uh... All right, Melissa Wong. I don't know if you know who she is, but she Not was sure. uh, the winner of Top Chef All-Star. She's San Francisco-based, but... Um, okay. Yeah, she's just a really cool um, Chinese-American chef from the Bay Area. Um, she's awesome. Yeah. 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 Very she, cool. She also worked at Delfina a long time ago. Oh, okay. But yeah, super talented. Um, just, you know... Just a real paving the way trailblazer. I my my mood board constantly changes. Chris Renfro, I want at my dinner. I want. Oh yeah. You know, I I want Tupac at my dinner. Yes. Um. I want. <laughs> um. God, who else? I want Keith Haring. He's one of my all time favorite artists. I don't know if you know who that is. He passed away in the early nineties. Um. But just a joyful. Um, he really embodies like joyful, generous community and art. Um, he was a graffiti artist based in in the Lower East Side. Yeah. So are there any, I know you talked about different foods from, you know, through, through your restaurant background, through (laughs) your, your family, through all of that, what would you serve at the dinner? (gasps) Are there favorite dishes you have that you're like, oh no, I have to serve this for well i've been making dumplings non-stop for the last like two years okay um, yeah once i started folding dumplings i don't know if you know is not it's like folding um oh there's this kind of it's like pasta making actually making wontons is similar to tortellinis or uh-huh. tortellis making dumplings is similar to another kind of I don't know. Pastas like, um, you know, are, are cross-cultural. Right. You know, so there is an Italian pasta that looks like a dumpling. But anyhow, it's not as easy. And I grew up knowing that, like, you know, my my aunties and my mom, like, you know, it was like they were always competing. Like, oh, well, I know this one's you. These are yours. And that's <laughs> mine. You can tell, like, how someone folded. Um, and then wouldn't you know, uh, because living in France and... I lived in a tiny village. It wasn't like Paris where I could go eat Chinese food if I wanted to. Um, if I want, I had a craving for something, you know, I had to learn how to make it. So that's actually where I learned or started cooking real Chinese food, you know, like like oh, like okay. Taiwanese pork caramel and, yeah. you know, all these different kinds of things, like my special dumplings. It was there because no one was cooking it for me. I couldn't get takeout. I couldn't yeah. go to these awesome restaurants that I was used to going to in Chinatown. Um, but yeah, so I make, now I'm really good at making dumplings. Ooh, okay. I'm better than my mom. I'm coming over. Yeah. And I just can't <laughs> stop. So that's my, my love language is like, if you get dumplings from me, it's, that's my love language. It's because I like, well, maybe you'll get them cause you have a baby coming. Um, yeah. so I'll, I'll bring you, I, I'll either bring you that or my, I call my kanji Kan mm-hmm. you know what kanji is? Yes. So I have my own like twist on kanji. I love kanji, but yeah. um, it, it's basically, you know, rice porridge, 
with all the toppings, but I make mine, I throw in um, chicken thighs and then I throw in all the, you know, usual suspects. So garlic, ginger, scallions, and then a little bit of everything, you know, like the sesame oil, I have my mushroom powder. Um, and then, yeah, it's, but I put a lot of those flavors so that you, if you don't have the toppings, cause most people I give it to like white people don't have those toppings. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, but if you have the toppings, then your kanji can be plain. But, yeah. um, I've been making kanji mixed with oats, uh, for my friend, uh, Jesse, who had just given birth because oats help with, you know, lactation. lactation. And then she had also come out of the hospital recently and the kanji was like the most comforting or easiest thing for her to eat. Um, yeah. The baby's actually kicking right now. So well, I mean, she, yeah, she, she actually is. Yeah. She's like, she heard all of giving. it and yes, she wants us to know. Yeah. We're wondering when you're bringing it over. And then um, <laughs> one last thing that I would serve, uh, Peking duck. Oh. That When I made my wine, um, clearly you can tell I think about food all the time, but I thought about all the foods that I love sharing with people, whether uh-huh. it's, you know, Peking duck and it's like fresh, lively, juicy Grenache blend. Yeah. Um, or... You know, red sauce and meatballs and, you know, sausage and peppers. All the foods that I grew up with that make me feel like anytime I eat it, I feel like home. And I feel like I want to wrap you in a hug like this. That's the kind of food, the wine that I I love to drink. So something that's always going to be fresh and lively and delicious. And hopefully, I mean, my winemaking style will develop. And I I love a a nice complex wine, of course, too. Um, but yeah. Yeah. So yeah, no, I can totally food. Yeah, <laughs> we no, love I, food. <laughs> I can totally picture having some picking duck with um your wine. Um we had I remember when I was in Spain, there was a Grenache blend that I had, had Syrah, some other other grapes in there. Um, but it was a really luscious red, like your your wine. Um, and I was watching food bloggers on YouTube. And that's how we decided where we were going to eat in, in oh, Spain. Yeah. yeah. And so we're like, okay, he's like, he's like, you can get other things at this restaurant, but if you're full already and you're kind of hopping through restaurants, get the duck here and get this bottle. And funny <gasps> enough, I have to find the bottle. The bottle was painted also. I, I have to find it. Yeah, it had stripes on it. I have to in, find it in, my, um, in Spain. Fine. Yeah, yeah. I it wonder was, if it was their label or if it was hand painted. I, yeah, I have to find the picture. I'm going to look through Does the pictures. Does it have a hand on it? No, okay. I don't think there was a hand. I don't think there was a hand. <laughs> um, well, what is, I know we have to wrap up soon, okay. but what is your favorite wine that you've tasted lately? <gasps> oh. You know I'm that, missing wine tasting, so you oh, need to like tell me all um, about it. I will tell you, hands down, um, just one of the most impactful, but one of the best wines that I have tasted in recent memory, maybe years, is the Rhyme Cellars Viano. Uh, I just had their 21 and it was, it blew my mind and it kind of reignited the fire for me again. And I was, but I was lucky enough to get to taste it with them. Yeah. We had them at Valley, the restaurant I work at yeah. in Sonoma, um, for kind of a winemaker take, takeover. And we do that quite often. And I'm, I feel really, um, blessed cause I always get re-inspired, but these two, Ryan and Megan are just so motivating and so kind and such genuine people. 
Um, we tasted a few of theirs. They had a Sagrantino, a Sangiovese. They they specialize in Italian bridals. Italian, yeah, I've been to their but, tasting room in Sonoma. Oh yeah, it's yeah. gorgeous. Yeah. Um, they're like a real family. Yeah, but that Fiano, it was so layered. It was like fresh fennel, um, but all the different you know. Um, you know, evolutions of fennel, whether it was fennel fronds or like fresh, like cracked fennel or, um, you know, or you just bit into it and it immediately just evokes like visions and feelings of feasting with friends. And then you think of like, um, you even think of Thanksgiving or you just think of like being in a backyard. Um, but it's a, a developed wine. It's complex. It's, it's elegant. It's, super bright it's gorgeous and um you know i wasn't the only one that thought that everyone all everyone else there that night agreed this 21 fiano from rhyme cellars is one of the best wines i've had in recent memory okay uh, I, I i, I hope one. um please don't because i want to buy it all yeah <laughs> Yeah, yeah, no, I definitely need to find that. I'm, I'm pulling together it. my case yeah. of wine that I'm oh. going to enjoy <laughs> once I can drink again. And their yeah. wines are exceptional. I mean, I like all of their wines. I like how they use Italian varietals, mm-hmm. but the hand on it is a lighter hand. Mm-hmm. So you're still able to, you know, enjoy that with different types of foods, right? Different types of foods, even without food. And they get the acidity right for Italian varietals, which is not always easy. Yeah. Yeah. And the the balance um, Mm -hmm. between the acidity and the brightness and the tannins, um, and I think that speaks to, it's a representation or an expression of Ryan and Megan themselves. They balance each other out. Um, Yeah. 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 It's a beautiful thing. It is. It is. So where can our listeners find (laughs) you? So I just started releasing my 21 uh, cuvee and I'm self-distributed for now. Um, I have such a small amount left. I've been hand selling it. um, And hopefully within a week or so, my website will be live. Other than that, just hit me up on on Instagram. (laughs) Yeah. And um, I should be able to ship it out within California. Um, No problem. And then outside of California, I mean, that's a little more complex. But um, you can buy it at Valley. Um, And other than that, I'll I'll be at another, other few local shops in Sonoma soon and uh, hopefully around the county, but yeah, it's all, it's all just me. I am the one, <laughs> you know, I'm, we'll have to I'm get my you sales here in and marketing. Yeah. I'm my HR. I'm my, uh, <laughs> you know, making the wine and painting and labeling and well, my, my dog helps me. Yes. You're a very cute puppy. Yeah. So cute. Um, we'll have to get you in Sacramento. We'll have to introduce uh, yeah. you to some folks and get this bottle Please. in Sacramento. Please. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, and on Instagram, it's Coral. You have two pages. I do. I have the personal, like I said, Coral mm-hmm. Wines, because that's the one people can remember. And then the business one, quote unquote, is, or the winery one is Maison de Plaisance. Yes. Which, I'll you know, tag it in the show if people notes. People can learn how to pronounce Tchaikovsky or, um, <laughs> Maison de Plaisance. it'll yes. happen. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. This was so fun chatting with you. Thanks. I know we saw this each other quickly at wine fair, but like to sit down, hear your story and yeah. actually chat with you. This was the first time we did that. Well, so I had to come back so to Sacktown yes. and eat with you after this baby comes out. Oh yes, definitely. Mm-hmm. Definitely. You'll always have a place here at Sacktown. 
Love it. So thank you so much for listening, friends. Tune in every other week for relatable natural wine knowledge and to drink wines worth talking about. Subscribe to this podcast and I'll connect you with a wine your palate vibes with, a story that intrigues you, or simply become your go-to wine friend. Follow Nod Wines on Instagram, listen on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and all podcast platforms. This podcast is brought to you by We Are Sacramento and The Loft. Cheers.